Welcome, everybody, to an exclusive episode of The Sheriff. Guys, today we actually have a Father's Day Sheriff podcast special. Now, ladies and gentlemen, hockey is a sport that truly takes a family effort and commitment. Most situations involves a loving father who wants the best for his son or daughter, and of course the player who just wants to show dad his new moves in practice and how he can apply that to a game. Ladies and gentlemen, today I'm actually blessed and I have a huge treat for you. Our Father's Day, our Father's Day special features a very interesting and intriguing duo. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, I believe the son is the most entertaining tough guy as well as the biggest character in hockey that this planet has ever seen. His father, who made it all possible, is also with us and will give us insight into his journey as well as insight into raising the man that we call Nasty. Introducing to you first, he is an incredibly educated man, great role model, and even better grandfather. The creator and and head of the family, the father that we call na- the, the the father of the man that we call nasty, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, Mr. Gary Morasti, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing really good. Thank you for having me on the show. Gary Morasti. I just wanted to share a little bit of my Cree language with you guys and uh, introduce myself and say thanks for having me on the show. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Mr. Morassi. I really appreciate all of that. We're, I, and if you don't mind, I would love to touch up on a lot of the cultural stuff that we're going to get into today. And I just appreciate that I'm able to speak to such a highly educated person and so culturally rich as you are, my friend. So you know what, Gary? You are so interested that I actually... Have, have partially forgotten about one of the most entertaining men on this planet. So ladies and gentlemen, introducing to you second, <laughs> introducing to you second, as I've said before, I believe this is the toughest man in the 1982 age group. He has played pro hockey in three different countries, ladies and gentlemen, over 250 games in, in the AHL and ECHL. He is a true LNAH legend and recent AJ Galante Ice Wars Legends Hall of Fame inductee. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. John Nasty Morasti, how are you doing today, my man? Doing awesome, Sean. Thanks for having me. It's going to be an exciting one. Well, dude, I, I appreciate you coming on, and I'll tell you a couple different reasons, Mr. John Morasti. First of all, dude, I'm going to have to maybe be an agent for a modeling person. And you know who that person is? Mr. John Morasti, because, bro... <laughs> You are modeling this swag right here. Let's talk about it a little bit. Now, right off the hop, I noticed the hoodie, right? So we got the Sorel hoodie. Now, here's my question for you, Nasty. Can you pronounce the name properly, like how the uh, uh, Quebecois men them do? I don't know. Maybe a pair of Piviers. Piviers? I don't know. It's, uh, I thought it was the Epervers, like uh, a different way of saying it. 
I don't know what to be honest. Regardless of that, this is the LNAH team in Sorrell Tracy where Mr. John Morasti. I just like because it says Indian. <laughs> there you go, bro. There you go. And, and man, oh, I can't wait to get into some of these topics. Now, okay, just because you mentioned it, this is one topic I want to get into right away for that I want to ask you and your father. So now, Johnny, we had a discussion in Enoch, in, in Enoch, where you were telling me, we were talking about the whole, you know, tribe um, doing this, oh, you know, that type of song in the Syracuse arena where you had, I don't even know what it sat, bro. What's five, six, seven, 8,000 screaming. 8, How much was it, Johnny? It was about 8,000. Okay, so 8,000, and I'm not lying, ladies and gentlemen, every single person was cheering on Mr. John Morasti, but they were doing a chance. Now, John, what I want to talk about is some of the leaders from back home, they kind of questioned it at first. And I want you to explain to the listeners and viewers how you explained it to them of what these fans were doing, how they were supporting you, and how you were proud that they were doing that because it was an incredible story that you told me in a knock my bed yeah no i just find that you know i'm i'm a little old school and i i feel that feelings get hurt too much nowadays you know they're trying to change the edmonton eskimos you know the chicago blackhawks the well they the did Washington. change the eskimos yeah you know yeah. I, I think that's all bullshit to be honest uh i i'm proud of being first nations indian aboriginal indigenous whatever you want to call it i don't really care um, I'm proud of where I came from. And, and like I said, when those people were doing it, they weren't doing it out of disrespect. They were doing it out of pride, you know, uh, backing me up. So I did reach out, you know, uh, I think a few of the leaders in, in the New York area were a little concerned about it. And I know, so the team asked if I would go because they didn't want, they didn't want to kibosh it. Right. So I went out and spoke to a few of the leaders and, and explained to them, you know, I come from a, a first nation tribe as well. And, and I, I felt that it was, uh, you know, in support, you know, they weren't there to put us down and, if anything, I, I was probably one of the most popular players to play in that city, and and by and, far, and they they welcomed me, you know. So for me, it, it wasn't an issue at all. I just feel the way our world's going now, they're changing everything when they should just leave it the way it is. One hundred percent, Gary Morasti. Can I get your opinion on this? Like you obviously must have talked to John about it, you know, during the time leading up to it. Do you agree with Johnny's view on this, that this is something that is a celebration, it's prideful, and therefore it was a good thing? Yes, I agree. Uh, it's really uh, important to, uh, I guess, respect uh, the, the culture and the First Nations uh, um, representation, I guess, or how they're represented and and the community of Syracuse was uh, doing a chant for him on behalf of him and encouraging him and and yes. uh, I I support it you know I've I've seen the other side of it where uh, we have non-native players calling uh, us Indians and yep. you know wagon burners and. Derogatory yeah. comments in general, yeah. right? So, uh, so it's really good that the Syracuse community and fans uh, encouraged and supported and and uh, and um, what do you call it? Uh, embraced. I think they embraced your son. Yeah, embraced uh, 
John, John and, and, uh, his ways of doing it and his, his, uh, style. And <clears throat> I always told him just go out there and be the best at what you do. And, and, uh, you 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 have to have that mindset. It's like uh, 95 percent psychological when you're yeah. going out there. You have to have that mindset that you're the best at what you do, and and uh, that's that's basically how I talked to my son and raised him, and that's how I was raised by my dad. And and uh, practice makes perfect. You gotta keep doing it and doing it and and uh the work ethic the goal setting and all that's really important to achieving your goal of being the best at whatever you do and everything you do yes absolutely mr marasti and thank you so much for sharing that like trust me i appreciate it so much can you notice that i'm on the edge of my seat listening to you sir like it, it, yeah. it's unbelievable and i really do appreciate it that was a lot of insight a lot of personal stuff and at the sheriff podcast we're raw and we're personable so i absolutely love it now let me add a little bit to that there's some key things sir that i heard you say there now first of all i just want to backtrack a little bit I want to tell the listeners that the trip that I had to Enoch, Alberta, not only was it a life-changing event for me, being my first pay-per-view, you know, being able to host the Ice Wars, where Johnny was was a celebrity celebrity um, uh, uh, judge, and he was also inducted into the Legends Hall of Fame that AJ Galante put together, you know, um, recognizing the, the all-time some of the all-time greatest tough guys. Now, ladies and gentlemen. I got an opportunity to meet John Morasti's father on this trip. We had we were able to eat a couple of meals together, you know, as the big families were all there. And I really got a chance to talk to him one on one. Now, the one thing I heard you say, sir, that I was most moved by was when you were telling me about John. Now, I now correct me here was one of or was the first to leave the reserve to do something like he did. Can you correct me and elaborate on that a little bit, sir? Because I know you are extremely proud of that. Of when I left? No, of, of Johnny. I'm going to get into you right after because, oh, yeah. you know what? I can't yeah. wait to talk about the schooling and all that. But when Johnny left, though, was that yeah. not like a historical thing? Yeah, it was a, it was a kind of put a, him as a a leader amongst yes. his uh the aboriginal youth on the reservation here we uh live on flying dust cree reservation we're cree indians and uh yes we, can you uh, say that again gary can you say that again because that's the, the proper name of the territory right of the reserve can, can you say that again like what it yeah, is yeah it's uh in cree we say kopowakanam kopowakanam and uh, that means uh, flying dust. The dust is flying as you're running or walking. And wow. so we're, we're uh, uh, Cree Indians from the Cree tribe. We're Plains Cree and Woodland Cree Indians. And uh, we're uh, in... Uh, you're in yeah, the highest that's, regard. That's what we mind. call ourselves and and. 
in that the Cree language, we as Indian people, we call ourselves Nehiliak, Nehio. That means uh, Aboriginal, yeah, Indian. Yeah. Wow. So that's our that's our tribe, and it's the Flying Dust Cree Nation wow. that we're from. So now, and thank you again, um, Johnny. I'm gonna. I have some key questions for your father, but just before I get into that, dude, when you hear your dad talking about it and how how proudly he sounds to explain it, what does that mean to you, my man? Hearing this right now, I think it's the way we were raised. You know, my grandfather Frank Morassi, late grandfather. You know, he was a good leader as well. He he was actually, I think, the longest serving chief of my community, uh, Flying Dust First Nation. So he was a, a natural leader and. And I think what my dad passed on to me is what my grandpa passed on to him um, to be very proud of where we come from. Um, you know, my grandpa's had a, a wonderful story too, but he's not still here to share with us. Um, you know, he's endured everything. You know, you, you hear about the uh, residential schools and, and all the terrible things that he endured, you know, but to see him succeed at the end of his life and well, even, you know, at an early part of his life, you know, being pretty much uh, an orphan at the age of five and taken away and, you know, beaten to speak his language. Uh, he, he endured a lot. You know, he snuck away. Uh, I think even a little younger than he was supposed to, to go to war in Germany. Um, you know, so he, he obviously set the standards high for us. And, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing that I'm proud of is, is his leadership skills, you know, with, the, with flying dust. And then he, you know, passed it on to my dad at the same time. And, you know, my dad played a big role in, in my success, you know. So um, I think we were two different, completely different players. Uh, you know, my dad was more of a skilled, talented player. And you know, I was not, I was that till a certain age. And then, you know, it kind of took off from there. So, uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was, they both played partial parts in my life. That's for sure. And, and, you know, if it wasn't for my dad or my grandpa, I don't, I don't think I would have been where I was. Well, I mean, I, I absolutely love it, John. I, I, I love it. I love seeing how proud you are to talk about it. But 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 even even more importantly, I just love what you're saying, dude. I love this history. I'm a big history buff. Like, like I, I find this amazing. And, and and I appreciate you touching up on a couple of those topics because Gary, what I wanted to talk about was one of the most proud things that I learned about you was the role that you had in the whole residential school aftermath and, and getting that corrected. Do you mind talking a little bit about that? Yeah, sure, I can do that. Well, I guess as, as Indian people, we uh, have a hard time tracking down our history. Like, uh, and white people can trace their history lineage back to the kings and, and yep. queens and castles in Europe. But Indians, they didn't have the pen and paper and their stories and uh, history was passed down through oral tradition, through uh, storytelling. So okay. um, then we go back and I try to trace my family history uh, who was my great-grandfather was Basil Morasti, who signed Treaty Number 6 for the Flying Dust First Nation on my dad's side. And then my mom's side, uh, she has, a, we are descendants of uh, the great chief palm maker from the palm maker Cree Nation, who signed Treaty on behalf of uh, 
the Palm Maker Cree Nation. So, um, and then my my dad ended up being a chief. So um, those leadership skills and and history go back to uh, my great great grandfathers, and um, so we were able to do that. And then in the like in the 18, 18, 1800s, late like 1880, 18, and then yep. in the 1900s, they started making uh, Indian residential schools. So what they would do is they would, uh, their policy was to basically uh, take the child away from the parents and and the uh, thing they, they wanted to do was kill the child and uh, take away his language and culture, his family, uh, connection which uh resulted in uh loss of parenting skills and other social um problems that uh exist in first nations communities because of indian residential schools negative impact on taking the child away from their parents like my dad left when he was four years old and stayed in the indian residential school till he was 16 years old and uh, <clears throat> same with my mom. And um, uh, like my dad, he, he was involved with uh, going to um, the residential schools after he was done. He did some, some work for some white farmers on the farm. And then when he was like uh, 18, he joined the, the Canadian army and was, uh, went to, to Germany and, and uh, was stationed over there for like four, four years. He was in there during the Korean War. And, uh, wow. and so my, my dad had a, a pretty big impact on um, the, the effects of Indian residential school, but he overcame them through sports and he was able to retain his language and he ended up coming back after the war and, and becoming chief of flying dust. And uh, he started a farm. We had uh, horses, cows, chicken, pigs, and we used to ride horses every day. We, I have, uh, we come from a family of 11 of us. So I yeah. have a, uh, seven sisters and four brothers so out of all the kids that my parents raised and now we have grandchildren and and uh great grandchildren i think we counted over close to 150 descendants from my mom and dad in our family so when jonathan has lots of cousins there's probably uh and then his son and daughter they have lots too so um, so I had the opportunity when I was growing up uh, in Metal Lake, I, uh, my dad made us skate. We lived on the river. He used to make an ice skating rink down for us there on the river and we'd skate every day. And cool. uh, I became a really good hockey player when I was, uh, growing up playing minor hockey from seven till 12 years old. I was the top player on my team, goal scorer and, uh, but my dad made me skate first. We skated yes. and I became a proficient, a really fast skater and a really good skater. And the puck handling came after and the goal scoring was just natural. And um, 
if you watch that movie, uh, Indian Horse, I was kind of like Indian Horse. I used to go oh. play. I was the only Indian playing hockey in the, in the town of Meadow Lake back in the 1960s, late 60s and 70s. And uh, I also played fastball. Uh, we won the provincial championship when I was 12 years old for uh, Meadow Lake. And, and then when I was 13, I tried out for a triple-A uh, Bantam hockey team in, in uh, Team Saskatchewan, and I made it. And I had to leave uh, my family at 13 years old and go play, uh, move to Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. And uh, we went to Europe that year. Uh, and played uh, f- uh, for uh, four games in uh, the Netherlands and Holland and four games in uh, Helsinki, Finland. And yeah. then uh, we came back. And after that, I uh, grade uh, nine, I went to school at the Indian Residential School in Bouval, student residence for grade nine, 10, and 11. And then yeah. after that, uh, I uh, went. To, I played one year a junior junior B hockey in Northern Alberta. So that, and then in the kind of high school and late high school, I kind of got off track and started uh, doing a little bit of marijuana and drinking, and it lasted probably a couple of years. And then I straightened out, and I met my uh, wife uh, John's uh, mom. And when I was like 19, 20, we had Jonathan. So from there, I went to a university in Calgary, Alberta. And uh, I did a two-year business administration program at State in Calgary. And then I went uh, to California, Santa Rosa, California for two years. And I studied general uh, arts and sciences at the university classes. And then I, we moved back to Saskatoon. I went to the University of Saskatchewan and took my four-year Bachelor of Education degree. And then I did another two years for my Master's of Education degree uh, in Educational Administration. And then I, I owned and operated my own janitorial company for seven years while I was going to university in, uh, really? in Saskatoon. and. I bought a house in Arendale in Saskatoon, and that's where my son grew up, and he played hockey with uh, lots of kids in our neighborhood who were really good athletes, and, and I coached his minor hockey teams there, <clears throat> and Kobe Armstrong was on our team, and yeah. we had uh, a bunch of other players that went on to play junior A and major junior hockey that were Jonathan's friends, and then... Yes. After that, uh, I got to be the director of the Bouval Indian Residential School, and we moved to Bouval, and John was uh, probably about grade uh, four when we moved over there to Bouval, and uh, so I was a director there, and I ran the school. It was a private uh, Indian uh, uh, high school for the... 10 reservations and half of them were uh, from the Dene tribe and half were from the Cree tribe. And we had about 250 kids who came and lived with us for 10 months out of the year. And 
I was uh, as the director of education there, I had the opportunity to uh, introduce and change the policies from what Indian Affairs was delivering. So I started uh, uh, native studies classes. I started Cree and Dene language classes and I brought in elders program. I brought the elders from their communities and I brought in uh, two social workers who could work on their mental, social, personal uh, development and have yeah. counseling and, and kind of talk about the, the impacts of uh, residential school and helping those kids to get through high school. And I introduced a lot of uh, sports there, yeah. uh, baseball and hockey. When I was uh, growing up there, I played um, fastball. I was a fastball player, baseball player. Yep. So uh, when I was in grade 11, I was uh, playing for the Bouval student residence and we won the provincial championship uh, for uh, fastball for Saskatchewan when I was in grade 11 at the Indian residential school. And <clears throat> I kept playing ball and I actually ended up going to get to play in the national native fastball championship for two years. And one was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. There were like 40 teams there and we got fourth place. And then the next year I played in Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. And we got fifth place out of 40 teams. And I played a really high level of competitive fastball yeah. and hockey yeah, and broom ball, and we grew up uh, riding horses, and Jonathan was really little, and we ended up uh, raising him up to be a cowboy. He was on horses when he was really small, and yeah, uh, yeah so that was um, a little bit of what I did, and I had the opportunity to change the education system uh, for the students of uh, the high school students in that Bouval Indian Residential School to introduce programs and services that were more uh, uh, geared towards them and met their needs more uh, and introduced uh, cultural and language programs and brought the elders and the communities and the parents together and, and a lot of those uh, kids uh, were like my own kids and Jonathan was uh, was there. He saw me as the leader and he saw me do. Uh, I had like uh, about 50 employees underneath me and there were four different departments. There were the, the school staff at the school and then I had a uh, uh, cooking staff and I had uh, childcare workers, social working staff and yep. uh, the phys ed teacher used to get mad at me because I used to, I had the keys to all the buildings and I would go into the gym and I would let Jonathan skate with his rollerblades there and bring his friends and they would have hockey games. Uh, yeah. And he, they'd mark up the gym floor with their black, uh, their skates, rollerblades. Yeah. 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 So Jonathan was on the ice all the time and yeah. I raised him up to be a, a goal scorer and he used to be a puck hog and take the puck all the time. And I tell him, don't pass it, just go and shoot and score. And uh, he was uh, probably one of the best players right growing up all the way until he was uh, uh, 
Mm-hmm. Right into Midget, he was uh, the top player on yeah. his team every time in, in our area. I, I, would say, I would say Rachel Jr., sir. Like, yeah, and, right. and, and, hey, Gary, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you continue, but I just want to add a little bit to what you're saying because I really, really like it. Now, one thing, this is a perfect situation to bring it up to. One situation that I always have to repeat is I have to explain to people that – when you make professional hockey, like your son had an incredible professional hockey career, right? Yeah. The fact that he was able to play, like let's say the AHL, let's talk about the American Hockey League. He had a long career in the American Hockey League, is a legend for the Syracuse Crunch, okay? So now yeah. Johnny being able to just practice every day with guys that – 10 of them could be in the NHL at any time. The other 10 just can't because they just don't have enough experience, but they will in the next few months. So to be able to be pace by pace, like you have to understand, and like I know Johnny's listening, like you could jump in anytime, John, but when we did battle drills in the AHL, just to be able to hang, in the battle drills, because you're going to go against like a guy on the first line. You're probably going to go against one of the guys in the top pairing of the defenseman. And let's say it's a drill where the puck just throws the, the coach just throws the puck in the corner and two guys got to battle for it. They got to protect it and they got to try to score. And the whistle ain't blowing until somebody scores. You know what I'm saying, Johnny? And oh, we yeah. would have to go like, you're going against what Kanopka. You're going against like all these different people that could, that are NHL players. And like, you know what I mean? And Mr. Mar- so 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 what i try to tell fans funny, like, funny, funny story about kanopka yeah. was he was one of the best face-off men in uh in the nhl and yeah. uh i used you to be know, I, I was his practice guy <laughs> yeah buddy trust me yeah, yeah man i bet you you're really good at face-offs but yeah. but john i i know i was blabbering on for a bit but the point that i was trying to make is that you have to be an incredibly good and skilled hockey player to play at any pro level. Never mind the American Hockey League, bro. You know what I'm saying? So when Gary's like, yeah, you know, he was the best player until this age, like I, I agree. Any all of us that played pro, we were all the best where we came from. You were the best, John. And the only reason why you had to alter your game is because you knew that if you took up that role, that you would be able to play at the highest level. And that's why you did it. I know you love it too, but trust me, John, would you rather have been a first line center that scored 50 goals every game? Or would you rather have been the guy that had led his team in penalty minutes every game? You tell probably me. Not, probably not going to believe me, but I love my role. <laughs> hey man, I know that you do. I know that you do, but I'm just yeah. saying like, like, okay. So like your daughters, for example, would you rather show them that you scored oh. 50, you know what I mean? 50 goals yeah. a, a year. Like, like, trust me, you're a hero. You're a hero. You're you're a not you're you're the the greatest novelty I think there's ever been in Quebec. You know what I'm saying? The Syracuse Crunch era, Johnny, and, and I am watching the time, so don't worry. The Syracuse Crunch era, to me, because we both know Sugar so well, to me, it's like such a cool thing to tell. Because, dude, Brandon Sugden was my rival for three years in a row before you got to Syracuse. Okay, I thought that Sugden took it to the next level as far as his fan base, as far as like how much the crowd just loved him. His name was Sugar. Like he's the man, right? Ladies and gentlemen, 
there's very good situations and then there's incredible situations. When John Nasty Morasti came to Syracuse, Johnny, I don't know how you did it, but it even went to another level. Okay. Because, and then to add on that, there's that team that you had behind you the one year. You guys are winning like, what, 30 games in a row. You're beating everybody up. Johnny's the main attraction. It's pretty cool stuff, man. Definitely. It was a def- great experience. And it was a, that, was, that was probably one of my most fun years of playing hockey was that year. What's you know, it? We, yeah, we didn't practice much. We partied, had fun, and, and won hockey games. And, and I think we were like almost the slap shot of the, of, the, of the modern day era. You know, I remember the rink was already sold out before they, you know, during warmups. Because they knew that uh, if they weren't there for warmups, they'd they'd miss something. So yeah, yeah, great great team to be a part of. That's for sure. Gary, did you go and see Johnny that season? Yeah, I went. We went every year. I had uh, my grandson Tristan, Jonathan's son, was growing up, so I kind of made sure that uh, he played hockey and he rode horses and he did everything that I did with Jonathan. So I kind of, and Tristan and I would fly from uh, flying dust to uh, uh, New York and we went to Danbury and watched him and we went to uh, uh, um, Syracuse uh, for Christmas and we'd go as often as I could and I take my grandson all over the place and for him at like four years old to go on the ice with uh, the uh, NHL hockey players uh, that were future NHL hockey players and they're in the AHL and for him to go into the the dressing room and to get that that atmosphere and that feeling of being uh, in that kind of environment it uh, helped to develop his character and his yes, uh, his uh, ability to uh, be successful in, in life. And so I was, I'm really thankful I had uh, the opportunity to uh, raise my son and, and, and help raise my grandson, Tristan. And, and now my granddaughters, I do stuff with them and I always uh, hug them when I see them and and tell them I love them and I do stuff with them. I read them stories, talk to them in Cree and encourage them when they're riding horses or doing sports. And they always got to hear that positive feedback to encourage them to uh, be, uh, know that they're, they're doing really successful in, in whatever they're doing. And that's kind of the philosophy and attitude that my dad put on to us as kids and so I carried that on and did a better job with uh, doing Jonathan when he was uh, born uh, I was in college in Calgary so when I can't come and seen him and I lifted him up for the first time and and lifted him up to the sky towards the creator in the heavens and I asked the creator God to help me raise my son and to be the best dad that I could be and that uh I was going to raise him to be good at everything he does and be the best at what he does and, and show him all the love and attention. And he was, I only had one son, so I was able to put a, almost a hundred percent of my time towards him. And I spent all that time with him, uh, teaching him to do all, all sports and be raised up, uh, around horses. He's now a, an expert horseman. He's an equine therapy, uh, 
business owner and he's raised horses. And so I, my dad raised horses. My dad gave my son a horse when he was eight years old. And that's how Jonathan started his herd and his uh, horse herd on the, when he was eight years old on the, on the, at the little Eagle ranch we lived. That's what it's called. And just one other story I wanted to share was when I went to Bouval and we left Saskatoon when my son was in grade four, uh, he had to go to school across at the the village school with the Métis kids. So they were, we were treaties and they were Métis and the treaties and Métis didn't really get along good. Okay. And because Jonathan was a newcomer to the school and he was an outgoing athletic kid and, and kind of popular and really good at what he did. The older kids in, in grade five bullied him. And he okay. got bullied, so I told the teacher and the principal to to deal with it, and they never dealt with it. So by Christmas time, I had to move Jonathan to to the little Eagle Ranch to be raised by my grandma and grandpa. And uh, so then, in grade five, I put him in Taekwondo. In grade six, he was in boxing. Grade six, seven, eight, and nine, he was in boxing, and he became uh, the the. Uh, champion at his division he was uh the bronze gloves silver gloves and golden gloves and the western canadian champion when he was in grade seven and and they had a demonstration sport at the at the um indian winter games and jonathan was playing hockey i think it was about adams and after the hockey game he had to go straight to the boxing arena and he boxed and he won his fight there and so And when I used to take him to go play in tournaments, I would get him to play in the Bantam division. Then he'd also play in the the uh, Peewee division. He was a Peewee, but I always got him on two teams. So he played about four games a day. And that's how we spent our weekends, going to tournaments and letting him play two different divisions. So he was always playing with older older kids. And I I coached him too, like, and I took him out lots. So uh, I just wanted to share that. That's how. But I didn't I didn't want him to uh, get bullied. So that's why I put him in boxing and taekwondo. And and uh, I didn't realize it would turn out to uh, make him an enforcer. And you know, there was a bully in in uh, grade. He might have been 12 years old and there was this bully kicking his tires. He had a flat tire on his bike and he was walking it through the the village on the reservation. And this uh, one guy was a bully and he was kicking John's tire. And I was driving by in my truck on the highway and he was walking on the, on the sidewalk. And uh, so I stopped and I was watching it. And that guy kept kicking his tire and throwing his bike down. So I jumped out of my truck and I said, Jonathan, fight that guy right now. So they had a fight and John beat the shit out of him there. And that bully never, never did that again. And then when he was was like 15, he was playing in an Indian hockey tournament. And one of these older 20-year-old guys come and checked him from behind and hit hit him into the boards there. And wow. I just re- I just uh, put myself over the plexiglass and I yelled yeah. across at the, he was on the bench, eh? so I yelled across and I said, Jonathan, don't let nobody ever cross-check you or, or 
put you into the boards like that. You get out next shift and beat the shit out of him. And he did that. He got out and beat beat up that guy the next shift. And he was only like 15, eh? So, yeah. like, there yeah. are defining moments that uh, had an impact that changed everything, eh? So, and when John was playing... Uh, junior hockey i used to talk to him like twice a day i'd phone him and how's your day son and how's it going and we'd talk yeah. like twice a day and i'd talk to him after the games and you know just encourage him so we built that relationship uh to like a father-son relationship where you know i was always concerned and involved in his life all the way through and that's how he is with his daughters and sons now so yeah, I'm really proud and happy of the young man my son's become, and I'm happy that I had the opportunity to raise him and make him to to give him the the tools to be successful in life and all the things that he's done, and he's really exceeded it and done really well, and he's a a great role model and a, a leader in our community. So I'm really proud of my son. Well, I, I'll tell you one thing, Mr. Gary Morassi, like I I feel blessed to be able to hear these stories. Um, my listeners, I like they're they're probably all just still like like just in, in awe of how amazing and intriguing your stories are, sir. So so thanks, thank you very much. Secondly, Johnny, I'm gonna get you to com comment on this very, very soon. But just before I say that, I just wanna add a little bit to what you were saying, Gary. So now you're proud of how you raised your son. Well, let me tell you something, cause it's always good to hear from an outside source. I've met a lot of hockey players along the way. I'm the same age as your son, okay? Um, I was able to be blessed to play at a lot of different levels, just as high as Johnny went. And I'll tell you one thing, you raised a very, very good man. Not only is the guy polite, he's the toughest guy that I know, but not only is he polite, but he's so respectful, means what he says. And dude, you're, you're the one that he got that from. Now, as far as how brave he is, one of my questions was going to be, you know, Mr. Gary Marassi, we both know that your son's a warrior. When did you first see that warrior in your son? That that, that was going to be one of my questions, right? Sir, I didn't even have to ask that. You, you just brought that in with the stories. I think it's the bike story, that one there. That would have that would be my guess of what of what your answer would have been the bike story that you told on your own, which was so entertaining, sir, Johnny. I Johnny. Okay, I gotta ask Johnny before anything else. Johnny, do you remember the bike day? Do you remember I that? I don't day? remember. You don't remember it, eh? I don't remember seventy five percent of my bikes. <laughs> I've been way too many. Okay, Johnny, how does that make you feel? Like hearing your father say these things, brother, like you deserve it. You earned it. But like, what does it mean to you to know that your dad is that big of a supporter of you both? Oh, it's obviously means a lot. You know, it's, it's hard, you know, without having, you know, there's a lot of kids out there that don't have dad. So, you know, it's, it's nice to have that support system and, and uh, you know, someone there's there to push, you, you know, things I remember, you know, back then was, you know, my dad now has a disease that kind of holds him back, but even back then he still had it, but he would, uh, make me get on the, you know, get on the bike or he would get on the bike and, and I would jog and we used to jog, you know, 10, eight, 10 miles a day and he'd follow me. And, you know, it kind of was my pacer. So it was nice, you know, just to push me to on the days that I didn't want to run or, you know, kind of pushed me and, and drove me. So he played a very crucial role in, in, in my, like I said, in my upbringing and in my career. So it was good.
Awesome. Now, guys, I just want to say to both of you, um, one of the big reasons why this episode was so important to me, and Johnny, it's, it's so awesome that, that one of your daughters is in the picture here. Um, but why it's so important to me, guys, is I'm a big history and cultural person, okay? I just absolutely love it. I was fortunate enough to be born in Vancouver when my mom was, was a nurse. I, and I wish I could knew the name, but on one of the reserves near the city of Vancouver. Okay. So I've been brought up seeing this culture, this strong, incredible culture that you guys endure. And I cannot get over how family oriented, family strong, the, the pride, the passion that's involved with it. And to be honest with you guys, I'll be totally honest. And it's very, very selfish. I really wanted to show it. And, and, and you guys were able to do that for me. I wanted to show how strong and family oriented your culture is, dude. And you guys, dudes, uh, and you guys banged it right out of the ballpark. And we're so proud to talk about it. It had such incredible stories. And, and, and I'm so thankful, man, because like, like I learned so much today, John and Gary, and hearing you guys talk about each other, that's, that's what I want to show. I want to show that unity. I want to show that love. There's a lot of people, especially different ethnic groups that don't know about certain groups. They never grew up with someone that that's that's from that culture. They create ideas in their mind of what that culture may be like through movies and shows that they see on TV. And now John and Gary, these same people, which I know are part of my base are going to see what it really is. And that's the beautiful thing. And that's why I appreciate having platforms like this, Johnny, because I don't know how else I we'd be able to show this, dude. Like, you know what I mean? So I want to thank you guys. I want to thank this little one over here for making the, the episode cute towards the end. What's going on? Do you want to say hi to everybody? Say hi. Yeah, hey, the smile's good enough. That's my baby girl. <laughs> hey, so listen, Gary. Um, I, I, this is, this is the thing. What I was going to say to your granddaughter there was, I was going to say, tell mommy that it's my fault. I'm very sorry. Cause I know we're like 10 minutes over the limit and I'm, and I'm being selfish because this was like a once in a lifetime opportunity for me to be able to get John Nasty Marasty and Gary Marasty in the same episode, a father's day special. Um, it's it's beyond words guys and and like if you guys were there i'd be hugging you and squeezing you and, be, and you guys would be like jesus <laughs> sir get away from me and i'd be like guys i just appreciate it so much I, i'm sorry that i'm annoying and and and, and, it, and it's all love it's all for the better good and gary you have no idea how good of a storyteller you are buddy i'm sure people <laughs> tell you all the time but i got to tell you one more time and and i just want to say thanks to both of you um god bless you guys man Thanks, John. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah. So listen, so I'd like to do this again. We'll definitely talk. Johnny, I know Ice Wars, we're making some announcements soon. I've been hearing August 6th back in River Creek Resort and Casino. I don't know if you've heard the same, buddy, but it's getting pretty exciting, dude. We're getting some, some serious trash talk going on in the group chats and the comments on social media. I love it. I think it's great <laughs> for the company. It's, we're embracing these characters, dude. I, I know that, that Amesbury has a little bit to say about the different divisions.
Hey, and that's fair enough. Everyone has their thing to say. I, I, and you know what? Amesbury has points. I'm sure things will get figured out. I know that Parker wants another shot at Amesbury, and he's letting it be known right now. Amesbury's playing it pretty cool to this point. You know what I mean? He is the <laughs> champ. He can't get too fired up. You know, just just 10-second comments on these things, Johnny, before we go. I ain't going to lie. Uh, that was the one fight that I think Amsbury might have – we might have even made the wrong decision on. <laughs> well, hey, guys, the, 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 the drama continues with Icewars <laughs> International. <laughs> I called it the fight of the night. I believe that the Parker-Amsbury fight was the fight yeah. of the night. I don't think it was it was a wrong decision. But I do believe that after the second round, it could have went either way. Yeah, it, it was That's hard. That's what I believe. I, I believe I Parker could have won. I can't remember the exact fight, but I think it was that was the one that I – The second after, round? Even after the, over, over, after the overtime round, I was like – I almost wanted him to go again, but you know, you couldn't, right? So yeah, imagine that a fourth round, but see, this is the thing. <laughs> Amesbury was named victorious. I agree with that decision. Okay. But what I'm saying is that after the second round, it could have went either way. And that's oh. why we had to do a third round. So this is, this is very interesting. Mr. Parker. I have a lot of respect for him. He wants another shot. Mr. Amesbury has earned incredible respect for me. And he's the king of the rink. So you got to respect them both. I just love the entertainment. I love the camaraderie in different aspects. And here we go, man. Ice Wars. It's a new thing. It's a new combat sport, ladies and gentlemen. Check it out. If you haven't watched it yet, check it out on Fight TV. <laughs> We're doing that. It'll be, be a good one. next one to go to, that's for sure. Definitely. Okay, guys. So we're going to wrap this up right now. Gary, again, brother, thank you so much. I'm looking at your beautiful granddaughter, your amazing son and congratulations you have a lot to be proud of my man thank you for being part of this father day special thank you so much mr gary marasti yes thank thank you for having me i appreciate that awesome johnny i'll talk to you soon and ladies and gentlemen we're gonna sign off here sounds good my friend take care